Hello, church family. This is part two of Esther chapter five. Um, if you recall from yesterday, we talked about how uh, the reality between human responsibility and God's sovereignty is often mistaken as uh, one or the other, but in reality it's both. Uh, we're called to be faithful with our life while trusting in the Lord for the results. Uh, so the outline I was going to give us is going to is going to be on. Uh, if you want to be used mightily by God, there are certain characteristics that you want to be about. Uh, there are certain things that you want to have in your life, but also things that you don't want to have in your life. And we're going to focus today on what you must be in your life. Uh, the first of, of three, uh, we're going to do three, two today, one tomorrow, and then uh, what not to be, we'll do one tomorrow and then two on on Thursday. Uh, but the first one you want to be in your life is bold. And we see that in chapter 5. Verse 1 and 2. Uh, this one, Esther, uh, on the third day after, um, whether she was fasting, or she was fasting, whether she was praying to Yahweh, or just sp- using those three time, three days to, to, to spend planning and not eating, uh, whatever she did, she's, on the third day, she actually went into the, the courts, um, in, in, into the inner court of the king, and she stood there. And I said that's a significant thing because it's like a moment of truth. Like, if, if you recall, uh, uh, Queen Esther said that that's just not the way the culture worked at the time. That in order for anyone to be to be able to have a, an audience with the king, the king has to summon them. And uh, at the end of chapter four, uh, Esther pretty much said that she'll do it, and if she dies, then she'll die. And there's like trust that uh, whatever happens will work out. And if it doesn't, then someone else will deliver the Jews. Um, so she stood there, and you have to understand, even in the cultural context, not just as was revealed, but in history, and like a secular source, a few years prior to this event, um, there was a, a war that was going on, and King Xerxes, uh, you know, he, was, he was ruling, and there was his mom that came to Xerxes, unannounced, into the court, and uh, she had apparently had five kids, and all five of them were fighting for Xerxes, and she asked the king if uh, if he, if she can just keep the first one, the oldest, the first one, the oldest son, and the and the other four goes to fight, and what the king did in response, uh, King Azuherus or Xerxes, uh, he brought the oldest uh, son to the court and then and, and, and like cut this dude in half, and uh, he he split him in half and had the whole army pretty much walk through him, in a sense, like, he was one, well, his left side's on the left side of the room, and his right side on the right side, and the army just marched straight through. So you have to understand that this was in the in the minds of the people during this time of Esther. This was not something that they took lightly. This was a real um, rule that they have, and remember, if you remember, if you recall, throughout this book, there was no way to go around uh, the laws that are established, except except they find loopholes for it. And we see one, another one of those instances here where the queen was just, okay, I'm going to go in and I'm going to uh, see whatever happens is going to happen. Uh, and boldness is not something that, it doesn't mean that you don't, you're don't you devoid of emotions. Uh, boldness is not something that people start with. Rather, it's a conviction that's brought into action. Uh, boldness usually comes when you are when you have convictions of something and that leads you to action. And that doesn't mean that you're not afraid. It just means that uh, you need to uh, live with truths that drives your actions. Um, 
we see, even in the scriptures, Joshua 1.7 has a famous passage, be strong and courageous. And then you have to understand that in that context, it was a small group of nomad, nomadic people, basically just like uh, people, just scavengers, basically a group of a few thousand Jews, no land, uh, no real training, and they're going to go and take out all of these other nations. It was a really hard test, but the truth that they held on to was that God was going to fight for them, uh, that they don't need to be afraid because God will protect them uh, in the future, just like how they protect them back in the wilderness and in Egypt. And in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, verse uh, 13 to 14, uh, Paul and uh, speaking to the Corinthian church, said this, Be on their alert, stand firm in faith, act like men, be strong. Uh, let all that you do be done in love. And this is a Christian attribute that Christians are called to be bold. Uh, we need to be people who understand uh, the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, and we trust in him. And that's why we act the way that we do. Uh, everyone from Moses to Joshua and even in the New Testament from Timothy uh, all, uh, and Peter, these are all people that uh, had to wrestle with being bold, but yet uh, they were empowered by the Lord because of the truth of God. Um, and we even know the chief example that is found in Jesus. Right? When he, before he went to the cross in the garden, he was so afraid that he was sweating out blood, but he knew that it was uh, God's will be done. He, he was driven by his affection for the Lord and affection and devotion to his word. He's willing to give up his life uh, so that God will be glorified. Again, part of being used by God mightily is that you are bold, that you live life trusting in the sovereignty of God. And look, many non-believers are bold, but they do things out of pride uh, while we do it for the glory of God. And you think about all these missionaries or all of these great saints in the past, all the saints of old, both biblical and just historical, uh, and all the people in church history, all of us used mightily by God or people who didn't think too highly of themselves. Um, they knew uh, that their life is expendable. They're willing to give up their life because they have a conviction that their life is worth losing if it brings God glory. They were bold in their in their in their actions. Um, they were courageous, um, and that's what we must be as well. Uh, Christians tend to think that uh, we need to be timid. Like, like that's not humility. Timidity and humility are two different things. We'll talk about humility next, but being timid is being someone that's just being afraid all the time, always uh, trying to figure out ways to get through things, but never actually acting upon it. They're always thinking about things, but never doing anything. Uh, Christians are doers. We need to figure out what we need to do, and we need to commit to um, doing and fulfilling those things. Um, and you, and this goes in every area of life, whatever is. Whatever ministry or life situation, job, etc., whatever you want to do, you can't do it if you act cowardly. If you think about ministry, if you have a desire to serve the church in a unique way, you should totally do it. I've been telling uh, our fellowship group this whole time, if, you, if the Lord gifted you with certain talents, don't be afraid to use your talents for the glory of God. If it, if it builds up the church, if it edifies the body, you should totally use your gifts. Um, if you're in a life situation, if you, uh, if you want to ask someone out, out, you know, praying all the time is not going to do anything. Uh, you actually need to go and take the courage and go ask someone out. Uh, and if you're a lady and you're asked out and the guy's, you know very little about him, part of being bold is that you give this guy a chance. Uh, and that you trust the Lord, it'll work everything out. 
it was your job, it was a career, you, you, you need to apply, you, you, might, you have to take the effort to go and, and, and go into interviews and do everything that you need to do. Um, Christians are, aren't called to be cowardly people because we, um, we serve a living and true God. Everything that we do must be an act of worship to Him. And if we're bold, that's the only way that God can use us um, in, in, in the world. You know, oftentimes people ask me about evangelism, and I find that people that ask me about evangelism aren't asking because they don't know the knowledge. They're really asking, how can I be bold? How can I, um, how can I make a lasting impact on my family and my coworkers? We just have to trust the Lord and then be willing to speak the truth in love. There's no easy way around this. You just have to be bold. You have to be, you have to have the conviction that this other person needs to know Jesus, and if they, and I might be the only one that could share this message to them. So you have to be bold and you courage, and then you go and you share the gospel. That's the only way that um, that you can be used by God. If you have these convictions that are built in, and you act on those convictions. So know God's word and then act on it. So the second one, first we what we must be in life is first bold, and second we want to be humble. Uh, verse three and four, we see that then the king said to her, "What is troubling you, Queen Esther? And what is your request? Even to half the kingdom, it shall be given to you." Esther said, "If it pleases the king, may the king." May the king and Haman come this day to the banquet that I have prepared for him. And uh, this uh, is unique because humility is shown in the way that she conducted herself. Uh, the way that she spoke to the king was not as like, okay, all right, husband, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, she spoke with reverence because she knew that not only was this guy her husband, but his, but his guy's also her king. And she spoke to him in a way that Queen Vashti didn't, right? Remember, Queen Vashti uh, was summoned by the queen, and she he was like, "No, I don't want to be. I don't want to do this." Whereas uh, Queen Esther went up to him, but spoke in a in a humble attitude. In the way that she conducted herself, she showed the fact that she is submissive to him. Um, and not only by her conduct and her speech, but you could even tell by her clothes, like she dressed to impress. And is I don't think I don't, I'm not reading the seductive part into this. I really think at this point, she just tried to present herself in a way um, that shows that she's taking this seriously. Uh, she, she dressed to impress. Uh, she wanted to show honor to the place and the person that she's at. Um, I remember in seminary, one of the number one things that students tend to complain about is the dress code. We were expected to dress in a, in a, a not necessarily suit and tie, but at least like a dress shirt and tie. And a whole bunch of students are always saying, we don't want to wear this, we don't want to do that. In fact, R.C. Sproul once came to Grace years ago, and he told MacArthur, the one thing you cannot get rid of in your seminary is uh, do not loosen the roles of the, the, the dress code. Because he did it in, in, at his seminary, and now they're like everyone there is like wearing flip-flops and they're like casual, and then you can never revert back. And uh, TMS held, for the most part, to the dress code. Uh, I heard it change a little bit recently, but um, but a lot of students just kept grumbling about it. And it's always interesting because seminary was able to train us to be like, you're going to be in situations where you have to defer uh, to others. You have to die to yourself. If you're not going to do for three years in seminary, what makes you think you're going to do for a lifetime in ministry? And a lot of students still complain. And the, and the reason why they complain is this lack of humility. They saw themselves as being above the rules. And again, Christians are called to be humble people. 
in, in both in Leviticus and Numbers. If you, if you just use the word, look up the word humility, it's always tied to um, some sort of rest, whether it's Sabbath or some sort of celebration that requires them to 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 rest. It always says that you need to humble yourself. And I think there's a connection between resting and humility is because when you humble yourself, that's when you acknowledge that you depend on someone beyond you. Uh, in the Sabbath, they're not supposed to work the whole day. So how are they going to take care of themselves? Well, they humbly trust that the Lord will provide for them. Uh, Proverbs 11, verse 2. It reads, when pride comes, then comes dishonor, but with humble is wisdom. Uh, even uh, uh, we understand, like uh, knowing this passage, that eventually the pride is what's going to cause the downfall of of Haman. Again, we'll look at that later. Proverbs twenty nineteen, chapter nineteen, verse twenty three reads, uh, "The fear." Wait, sorry. Proverbs oh, twenty nine, verse twenty three. 29, verse 23, a man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. Again, uh, it's part of the Old Testament that, that we're called over and over again to be humble. Uh, and humility is not like, like a meekness. Humility is just the acknowledgement that all that you have does not belong to you, is given to you by God as a stewardship. So all that you do is pointing back to the Lord. In the Beatitudes, one of the things is that we need to be humble in spirit. Uh, that's part of uh, what it means to be a kingdom citizen. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 4, tells us that whoever then humbled himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Matthew 23, verse 14, or sorry, verse 12, it reads, uh, Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles him shall be exalted. This is when people are asking who is the greatest, and then this is saying the, the greatest among you are the ones that are servants. Um, James chapter 4, verse 10. It reads, Humble yourself in the presence of God, and he will exalt you. First Peter 5, 6. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Again, uh, these, this is just the life of the Christian. The Christian life is, is filled with humility. You may have great talents, but all your talents are always pointing to the one that's gave, that gave you this, these talents. Spurgeon said this way, we are all either being humbled, we are either humbled before the Lord or we will be humbled by the Lord. Um, then that's what we're called. If you want to be used, God, be used by God mightily, you look at all the talents that you have and you use it to always point people to the Lord. A humble person points, uses their gifts and uses their talents, uses all that they have to point people to God, whereas a proud person always points to their own uh, abilities and their own strength and their own talents and all that they have. The Lord uses humble people because humble people point others to the Lord, whereas proud people often obscures the gospel, um, humility, a humble person acknowledges that all that they have is from the Lord. And you know, as as people that believe in Reformed theology, I think I've said this before in a different context, or maybe with Esther, like this Esther series, that if we are Calvinists, if we believe in predestination, there is no way that any of us should be proud. Because we acknowledge as Calvinists that we were dead in our sins and no one can bring us and then nothing can bring us to salvation except the Lord. 
There's nothing that we've done to achieve salvation. It was all God's doing. That should make us humble, knowing that there's nothing that we can do to obtain salvation. So part of being, if you want to be used by God, first you need to be bold in your life. Be willing to commit your life to action. Know what you have to do and then do it. Uh, trust in the Lord with your actions and go for it. Uh, just like how Esther here, uh, she knew what the what the, the cost was and she was willing to take the risk necessary so that her people could be saved. Second, be humble. Um, and her, uh, Esther demonstrated through her conduct and her clothes just how, and even her um, the way that in her character uh, how uh, how you could present yourself in a humble manner so that people are actually would would be interested in hearing you so you could use by God to have influence over them and that's what we see in this first four verses we see how we want we want to be people that are bold as well as humble tomorrow we're going to look at uh, flexible we as Christians uh, one of the things that if we want to be used by God mightily we have to be flexible. And we'll also uh, then look at what not to be. And the first one of that is that we must not be persons filled with anger. Okay, this is part two of Esther chapter five. Um, I look forward to hearing from you. If you guys have those questions, please send it in. And uh, I love answering those questions. And uh, until next time, maybe Friday, hope, uh, whatever it may be, I hope to see you all soon.